0: Discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity
1: is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity. We are recording this on October 14, and that's really important because today is an incredibly important day, and you are going to hear this information, I believe, the day after Annual council discusses the very topic <laughs> that we're. It's my birthday that we're talking about today, which is Tony's birthday. It's my, no, it's not
0: his birthday. It's not my it's birthday. Not, it's not even close. It's, no, it's not. It's not it's even close not, to. My, it's not even close to my half birthday.
1: It's past my half birthday. So, <laughs> um, now today we're talking about annual council, and if you want a refresher before we kind of jump into this, there's a couple things I want to let you know about. First of all, if you want a refresher on all things annual council, on what has happened. Leading up to this point, uh, and, and what has brought us here, then go ahead and jump back to episode number 17, When Leadership Falls Short. That is actually the episode that prompted Tony to reach out to me to get involved here. But that was last year. See. Last year, I covered annual council and what was happening and how we should respond to it. And uh, so that that is a solo episode that you can go listen to. But today, we're doing this year's annual council because things have gotten so much worse. And uh, I'm just so excited about it," said no one ever. So last
0: last night you tweeted out like, "Oh, this is the worst year, or it it keeps getting worse, or this is the worst." Day.
1: Oh, I said the uh, worst part about all of worst, this is that the worst part, worst part hasn't part happened this. yet.
0: <laughs> hasn't happened yet. That's what it was. And uh, I'm not fully awake, folks. This is I'm recording from Arizona. I'm doing um, I'm doing a week of prayer out here. It's a three-hour time difference, so I'm like not fully awake. So this is gonna be exciting. It's nine anyway, so he fifteen here.
1: 6:15, your time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um you tweeted that out and what was hilarious is that I was right next to Steve and I saw him like twitch and like like grin. And I didn't figure out why. And then all of a sudden my Twitter went boop 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 and like three in quick succession and it was you tweeting out the worst part of this is that the worst hasn't happened yet. And then he immediately tweeted up the worst yet—the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the, 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 the the Simpsons, the ship, Simpsons yeah. movie. This is the worst day of my life. This the worst, the day worst day of, of your life, life so, so far. <laughs> far. And, uh, and I, was, I could not stop laughing because I'm like, yeah, no, it's just gonna keep. It's not gonna get better. Listen, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting to me that it just keeps. I am, uh, you know the. The, the The hilarious thing about all of this is that it's a it's a big like history and wear old timey clothes and all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, um l- literally we're repeating it like this is <laughs> the, the, the the you remember the thing about fearing the past um is that we we don't learn the mistakes from it, yeah or fearing the future is that we don't learn mistakes from the past, yeah that we're doing that is the problem like the only thing we have to fear for the future is exactly what we're doing right now let's go like no 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 that's this is the exact opposite (laughs) also by the way folks i would like to point something out i got ready for this trip and i very specifically um, packed away all the recording equipment in a very safe location like in between layers of clothes on a checked bag to make sure like i i got stopped and Specially frisked by the TSA because I'm like, yeah, this is. I'd need it in this. Like, I told the TSA officer when he went through my bag, I'm like, can you put that back in the correct order? Because like, I need this to be safe. And I forgot the brand new headphones. Yeah, I'm, that I'm I noticing got. that literally as you I'm started talking so about this. So mad because I was like, I was I was putting it back in. I'm like, wait, where? Where, where the, I left them on my bed.
1: Okay, well, at least if, you left them I'm somewhere so where you mad. can still use them the next time we record. Yeah, no,
0: I can still use them, but I'm so mad because I was like, I specifically packed everything. And in, in packing it away, I just totally forgot that they were there. Yeah, so okay. great stuff.
1: Dude, you know what my favorite thing about annual council is? My Twitter game is on freaking point
0: whenever... Dude, I, I started following like eight people during the GC in 2015... And now, like every, every time a new cancel comes up, I find more people and people start, now people start following me. Yep. I don't know what that's saying, but I'm like, oh.
1: Dude, my Adventist okay. don't celebrate okay. Halloween
0: tweet has over 100
1: likes, which doesn't normally happen. And I consider that Adventist viral because like Adventist, Adventism is such a no, subculture. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it like, is. I, I made a mistake the other day and I didn't realize I did it. Did I tell you about this? I retweeted. And commented on uh, Sean Lowe, who apparently was a, a contestant on The Bachelor. I just think he's funny. Like, I found him on Twitter at one point, and I was like, "Oh, this dude's hilarious." Apparently, he was a, he was a contestant on The Bachelor a while ago, and he he's the one who married the Asian chick, and they have like kids, and they're actually like a real family. And um, i have a real family. I re- yeah, like I retweeted one of his things and it was he took his son out for ice cream, but he actually ate like I love taking him out so that I can eat both his ice creams to remind him that, you know, life is unfair or something like that. And I tweeted out like this is this is the type of parenting I want to do and all of a sudden white girl twitter took over. The tweet, the retweet I did had like 350 something likes, like 12 retweets. I'm like I've never I literally I was literally was like what is happening? And it was all by people that I have no clue about because I accidentally, like, clicked into a, a, a part of Twitter I have never seen nor been a part of, and I'm not even kidding you, man. Like every single pe- person that liked this was a a white female within the ages of twenty to forty. Like, it was it was extremely specific, <laughs> very odd. That's that's Twitter, man. Like, and you Zone have no episode. control over it.
1: Like that's the best part. No, you have no I didn't. Control that's over the it. thing
0: that I was like hi i do i hmm i seem to have i seem to have struck a nerve with some of you yeah for real um so, all right so let's i'm gonna start my stand-up career let's
1: let's kind of jump into this um let's do this so we're gonna we're gonna try and lay this out this is gonna be less discussion based and more kind of like expl- explanation yeah. and ex- exposition uh because we just have to explain like what's going on and you'll hear our kind of opinions Um, throughout this, but it's that just letting you know, like this is going to be more of an informational episode than it is going to be something um, kind of more laid back or discussion based. Like I have a whole slew of notes here. Well,
0: because most of the time when we have a topic, it's generally a topic that we have to kind of start the discussion on. Like we kind of have to stoke the fires a bit. Like with this, it's almost like we just have to put it forward and it's just going to run. Yeah. Like it's just going to go.
1: Our goal is that over the next like, you know, 50 minutes or so, you can catch up on everything by passively listening rather than having to scour through a bunch of like it took me probably the better part of an hour and a half to get this all together just because it was so hard to find where all the different articles are buried. And so all of our everything that we talk about is sourced and I will have those sources in the episode description just so we're all clear on this. And I've tried Just, to be pretty fair about my sources.
0: This is the difference between us and the random people you will hear. And and that's why I appreciate it. Like, literally, this is our, the one-year anniversary when I was like, I got to come on this because you're going to hear a lot of discussion about this. The difference what we're trying to do is we're going to break it down for you because we are, quote-unquote, in the system. So we understand what those types of things mean. So, like, a certain decision being taken a lot of times people don't see the unintended consequences of it or the the secondary consequences of it, right? The shady, quote-unquote, manipulative stuff. So, for instance, one of the big things about um, the divisions deciding whether or not people can be ordained wasn't whether or not the divisions can decide, but rather that now the GC decides. That wasn't the big deal. The big deal wasn't that, yeah, we don't want people to get ordained. The big deal was the GC has the power. And most people didn't realize that. Most people I talked to was like, okay, but do you realize that's what this actually did? And they went, oh. yeah." I was like, yeah, this is bigger than just this. It's Mm -hmm. not that specific. And so just a little thing like that is is what we're going to be trying to be explaining to you and breaking it down. Because a lot of people are going to be talking stuff and got no sources to back up. Certain leaders of a large section of our denomination Are going to be saying statements like, you know, worship styles and non biblical worship styles. Don't even stop. (laughs) And what we're going to do is basically say, here's what the Bible has to say about worship style. That's the difference between us and people out there. Yeah.
1: Uh, By the way, he's not making like some passive aggressive shout out to other podcasters that are covering this Uh, disruptive Adventism with. Jose Briones with David Hamstra and Nick yeah. Miller like that was a gr- those are, that was a great series.
0: I'm I'm specifically talking about like people in your in your churches yeah. or on Twitter. Yes, That's what I'm talking about. So Like other podcasters they're doing what we're doing. Like they're actually you know, going out finding sources, you know, making yeah. informed opinions. I'm talking about you know, people on Facebook who are going to be putting these like three-page-long, you know, epistles and epic rants about this is so great because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have no clue what you're talking about. So let's get into it. All right, so we're going to start
1: with the authority structure of the church. This is my favorite thing about Adventism as a system is its authority structure. I actually think it's pretty kind of beautiful. So you've got, um and and uh, David Hamster actually breaks this down beautifully in, um, in Disruptive Adventism, but also in some of his articles. But we have a... A hybrid authority structure. The reason I say hybrid is you've got two major camps for how your how a church do, you know handles its authority. You either have the yeah. more Catholic structure of the top dictates down, or you have a kind of I, I want to say a um, not a not Episcopal but a Pentecostal Methodist, Methodist that kind of thing. It's more uh, uh, congregational, so your yeah. your authority is from the bottom up. The Adventist structure is a hybrid of the two. And here's what I mean. So at the very bottom, you have the local church, then you have a state conference, then you have a union that handles a region of state conferences, or um, then above the union, you have the division, which handles an entire continent, and then you have the GC or the general conference, which is the kind of representative body of the world church. Now, at each level, leaders are elected uh to represent the people below them. So at your local church level, you typically elect your board members and those leaders. The conference officers are elected, the union officers are elected at constituency meetings and so on.
0: The main officers.
1: Yeah, the main officers, not all of them, but you know.
0: Some some of them are, yeah, some of them are just assigned, but yeah, the yes. main ones
1: are elected. So, the important ones. Um the reason that it's a hybrid is because each individual level of the uh, of the church body each each entity reports to and answers to the the level above it and the level below it but that order cannot be skipped so if you're a union you answer to the division above you and the the conference below in the conferences below, below you yeah uh, but if you were the gc you can't skip the division and start enforcing things onto the unions or onto local churches directly which is great because it limits it it, it basically enables local churches and congregations to do ministry in their context effectively. It's really hard when this you know, external body comes in and tells you what to do, having no understanding of your context, which is why, if you heard our episode on branding, we have such a problem with the new logo stuff that will be happening in the next few years. So uh, you currently can't skip levels to extend discipline.
0: So the problem is... Well, go ahead. In theory yeah in theory unfortunately that they've they've you know they've been finding ways around this like the logo yes you know the logo effects now i i don't think again like when we said about it, i don't think they're doing it in a evil fashion i don't think they're doing it for you know uh, nefarious purposes but even still it's like you're not supposed to do that like
1: well, it be, it's supposed it, to. It's all. It's, it's supposed it's, it's to it's all, kind of be
0: something that we all come together. But they're affecting, directly affecting local churches in that way. So they they kind of get around it in with with language.
1: It's eroding the barriers to the point where they can exactly. Yeah, you know, it's a exactly. death by a thousand paper cuts to the authority structure. That's kind of what decisions like that do. So um, now here's here's the problem. What happens when a certain entity? or a certain level of the church body makes decisions that are out of policy of the world church. You know, that's, that's kind of the question that's prompted this entire discussion. It's start women's ordination actually was the kind of uh
0: catalyst. Yeah. the That trigger, was a good one. The catalyst
1: word. for, for this discussion. And so, which is, which is a problem because I, you know the I, I tend to agree with women's ordination being a good thing, but that's neither here nor there. That's now you know my my biases going into this. But basically women's ordination is, is I hate all
0: women. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, <laughs> that's that explains your mustache to ensure that no none of oh, them will ever boy. be attracted to you again.
0: Ever be attracted to me. Yep. Um,
1: they Yeah, so what what do we do with, with entities in the church that are out of compliance with policy? And this is, this is a good question, right? Like, it's important to enforce decisions that the world church has made. This is like when I was pastoring, when a church board made a decision, when, when my church board made a decision, I wanted my church members to follow it. And if they don't follow that decision, then I have to deal with the people who aren't following it. Like, I have to bring them into compliance or yeah. show them the door. You know, it's one of those—that's a harsh way of putting it. But uh, And David Hamstra, again, thank you for that wonderful— I. I am very diligent about my sources, but um, that's that's kind of the idea, right? If if the body that you are accountable to makes a decision, then we want you to follow it. So there are two main calls that have come out of the non-compliant uh, non-compliance argument. The first is people are calling on the GC to bring non-compliant entities into compliance or punish them for being out of compliance. And in fact, most of them have jumped beyond the bring them into compliance and just jumped to punishing them for being out of compliance. And in fact, a lot of the votes in 2015 were votes no because they wanted the GC to punish people. So yeah. that's the first main call. The second main call is change the policies so that noncompliant entities are compliant. In other words, if 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 women's ordination is not allowed by you know in a certain area, but we change the policy so that it is, then those individuals or those church bodies are now in compliance because the policy is no longer one that they can't follow.
0: So, though that's which I would I would yeah, which I would like to point out just for the record, right now any union that allows for the ordination of women is in compliance according to the rules and the uh, uh, bylaws of the GC. Because according to the rules and bylaws of the GC, unions decide who can be ordained. Yep. Just so everyone is clear, that is the actual what is really happening. Now, you're going to hear a lot of, well, that's not true that. Yes, the world church may be decided, but this is exactly like federally, marijuana is illegal but the state can decide whether or not they decide it's legal so that's that's kind of the issue that we're having right here it might be illegal in wyoming or what i don't I actually don't know if it's legal in wyoming it might be illegal there but if it's legal in montana right next to it as long as you're not in wyoming you're fine if you cross the state line okay then that's a problem But if a union does that, the union, as of right now, is actually in compliance. So this is what's fascinating to me, is that what the GC is actually asking is not to bring unions into compliance with union policy or even GC policy, but rather to bring them into compliance with the unspoken request of the GC. So the GC is now deciding arbitrarily who is and isn't in compliance.
1: Correct, and and the whole thing, and here's what gets me: this is all about policy compliance. So it's not about biblical mandate. It's all policy compliance under the guise of, uh, under the guise of biblical mandate. And this is this is the struggle in my book. Of like, and we'll
0: talk about this. A, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. But yeah, right, this whole thing has been out of compliance. The GC has been out of compliance with this entire situation. But every time they call it on them, this is what's fascinating. They go, "No, we're not." Yep. Quite literally. At the no, annual Council last year, they were like, point of order, this is out of compliance. And Ted Wilson literally came together with his group and said, no, I don't think we are. We can move on. And, yeah. and they were just like, what do you mean? Like, yes, you are. Like, you can't just say no. It's like income tax in the United States. Income tax is specifically mentioned by the Constitution saying this we will never have this. This is wrong. Except that the people who decide what the Constitution says are paid by income tax. So they sit there and go, nah, it's useful, it's fine. <laughs> even though, even though the, the, the makers of the Constitution were like, no, that is wrong. We will never, your right to earn money is your right. And that is a right that we will never touch. We can tax on your ability to sell, but your right to live alone and free as an American is, is we will kill and die and shed our blood for that right. And then in 1920s, because of, because of the Depression, they were like, no, 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 we, we, this is a good thing. And the Supreme Court has upheld it right? Yeah. So the, the body that decides whether or not they are out of compliance with the law can basically write the rules for themselves. And this is the issue that we're finding. So that's all I'm going to say about that. We can talk about it more next week. So this is the idea of yeah. compliance.
1: Yeah. So this is a two-parter, by the way. This is the other part I forgot to say. The next, next week we're going to talk about the greater conversation happening around this. We're just going to set the stage for annual counsel. So a couple of things you need to know for annual counsel right now. First of all, you may have seen pictures or images of people dressed up as the 1800s. This was a call from Ted Wilson back, I believe, in the spring, though it could have made it last year at
0: uh, annual it was, council. It was, I, th- I think it was almost last year, yeah.
1: And it was like, everyone was like, is he serious? We can't tell. So annual council is being held in, in uh, Battle Creek, which is a major historical site for our church. It's uh, kind of where a lot of our church was nurtured and, and started to grow, is in Battle Creek, Michigan. And so Ted Wilson called That's where we
0: actually got our name and yeah.
1: yeah. So Ted Wilson was like, Hey, let's, you know, we want to go back to the spirit of um, biblical faithfulness and, and uh, you know, the spirit of our Adventist pioneers. And so let's dress like they did. Let's all grow out our beards and let's, you know, let's move jump it back in back to on battle it, yeah. Creek instead and of it back having to...
0: this in a modern facility. Yes. That has exactly. enough space that we've specifically built.
1: So, He called for that, everyone kind of thought we were joking, and then we started to see his beard getting longer and longer, and turns out it's actually serious, and now we are in the most tone-deaf way possible, dressed up uh, as 1800s Adventists, and it kills me because it's this whole idea of, like, make Adventism great again, and it's super tone-deaf, you're forcing all these other world uh, leaders, world church delegates, to dress up in the same way, not forcing them, but a lot of them are doing it because... And and this no, is the you issue. Are
0: because according to their culture, if the boss man does it, we gotta do it. Exactly. Regardless of whether you that's why the Japanese that's why the Japanese in World War II was such a problem. They would do such horrible things because one psycho in charge of everything could be like, I want to kill everyone's kneecaps, and then everyone's like, All right, we gotta destroy their kneecaps, because that's what the boss man said. Understand, like that's how certain cultures work so he is forcing them. He might not realize he's doing it. He might say I just made a suggestion. But because of the way their cultures act and being culturally sensitive to it, yeah, he is forcing them.
1: I don't know enough about Japanese culture to disprove what you said, so I'm just going to let it be.
0: <laughs> I am I'm, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to that, but yes. Right. Yeah, trust no, that's me. fine. Okay, yeah.
1: no, I believe you. Okay. Um so and we I'm not I saying just the wanted Japanese to make Japanese it...
0: do that today. I'm saying that there are multiple cultures that that's how yes. they think.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So now we jump to compliance committees. So last year the unity document got shot down, got sent back for review. They went back and 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 reviewed it. The general conference administrative committee or Adcom created what is known as now five compliance committees, and these committees are made to or have been created to basically if a if. An organization in the church is brought to the attention of the GC for being out of compliance on a certain policy, and it's shown that the union or the level above them basically hasn't, hasn't enforced that policy or brought them into compliance, then the issue can be referred to one of these five compliance committees. And you are going to love this. Here are the five. Number one, general conference core policies. This one mainly has to do with financial um, financial policy. Two, doctrines, Basically, policies, yeah. statements, and guidelines for church organizations and institutions teaching creation slash origins.
0: So, I call that the La Sierra Committee.
1: Yep, <laughs> you're not the only one. Number three, doctrines, policies, statements, and guidelines regarding homosexuality. Number four, distinctive beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And number five.
0: That's the only one I agree with, by the way. That's the only one.
1: When it comes to, like, anti-Trinitarian stuff. Like as, and, as,
0: yeah. as far as, like, yeah, that could be useful. And like, number five. Like Distinct beliefs.
1: Doctrines, policies, statements, and guidelines regarding issues of ordination. Beyond this. Now, now that on its own is incredibly annoying because they handpicked five hot-button topics. The Star Council, man. They, they're a- not trying to actually create compliance committees for the good of the church. They're trying to just nip these specific issues that they see in the bud. All right. So on top of the five compliance committees, ADCOM also specified the topic or they specified the five or the topics for the five committees and then populated them with the names of over 40 GC employees who will serve on those committees.
0: Keep in mind, these were not elected officials. They chose who got to sit and decide who was in and out of compliance and And what they were in and out of compliance was.
1: And all of this has been created and started without the approval of annual council. In other words, this has to be brought to annual council and actually approved by the World Church Delegacy. But that did not, that has not happened yet. That's what's being discussed as you're hearing
0: this yesterday. Es- es- essentially, what they did was Ted Wilson, the guy who's calling for unity and forcing people to be in compliance, went out of compliance to create a committee and arbitrarily said, mm, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And basically said, I'm going to do this. You guys can decide whether or not it was okay, but he's already done it out of compliance with stated, like, like again, the, the irony of all of these statements is not lost on me at all. Like, like I, I feel it's almost hilarious that it's lost on them. But like the fact that he went out of his way to break rules, to create something to make people who break rules, he doesn't, you know, he likes back in order because if there was a compliance committee that we could make, it would be for the GC to follow their own rules. That would, you know what I mean? Like it'd be, it'd be the equivalent of the NAD, which they have not done, but it would be the equivalent of the NAD creating a committee To basically say, all right, well, we're going to be a watchdog for the GC. So anytime the GC does something that's out of compliance with their own, we're going to call them on it and force them to take those officers, not only take take it back, but to either fine them or fire them. That would be the equivalent. That would be the arrogance of the NAD to do that. And it would be an arrogant statement by the NAD, by the way.
1: Well, and this is, so it's also worth noting that these 40 GC employees there, uh This was a note from the article that I sourced this from. While a couple of lay people are included on the committees, no pastors or officials from other levels of the church, such as union or conference presidents, are included. So that was, I guess, maybe their attempt to stay neutral. Unfortunately, that also ensured that it stayed biased. So <laughs> and the majority of
0: these officials were not elected. They were asked to come in when someone re- yeah. retired. The majority of them were not at... at in 2015 elected they're going to be either re-elected or whatever and and but they were elected by the much smaller executive so so keep that in mind i'm not saying they're bad people i'm just saying there's no there's no perspective here right there's no it they're they're i don't want to say they're yes men because that would exactly be what it is but these are people that How would it look if Coca-Cola, right, did something horrible and then created a committee to call themselves on it, but all the people that they brought were people that specifically worked under Coca-Cola's CEO, like answered directly to him?
1: And he was the one that was responsible for And he was the
0: one that was responsible for that, right? Like how would that look, right? If BP did that, let's say after the oil spill, and they're like, you know what, we're going to come up with a committee that's going to punish those who are responsible for this. Hey, people who are responsible for this, you guys are the ones deciding, am I in trouble? As they, you know, he makes direct eye contact with them. No, you're not, right? Like, it just looks bad. So,
1: in summary, the five compliance committees deal with, one, finance, two, creation, three, uh, the gays. I put the gays because it is LGBTQ+, but I'm doing this from the mentality (laughs) that started this. This is what they would call it, yeah. yeah. Four um four distinctive beliefs,
0: five because, ordination. By the way, they did not put and this I'm gonna shut up after this, but they did not put LGBTQ plus community. They put homosexuality. homosexuality.
1: Yep. It's literally so so there are two main documents. The first one outlines the five compliance committees, the second one is terms of reference and actually outlines the outlines the authority that each that the committees have. Now this is important because There have been occasions in the past when a committee at the GC was assigned to investigate some issue in one or more union conferences, but never a permanent generic structure such as that envisioned in the five terms of reference voted by the administrative committee. I read that from one of the articles that you can find down in the sources of the episode description. So this is a permanent installment that will seek to enforce policy and bring people into compliance. And the problem I have with that is it's a permanent... It's not a temporary; it is a permanent erosion of part of that authority structure that keeps the boundaries between levels of church authority. And that's what, like, that's one of the biggest issues and qualms I have with this. On top of the fact that it's basically an inquisition,
0: <laughs> it's a star council. It's a star. So, for those of you who don't know, back in the day when the king of England had a ton of power, um, he had what was called a star council, and it was basically a series of lords that met in a secret council and were judges and decided your fate and they could basically decide whether or not you died with no oversight there was no right this is why the structure the judicial structure as screwed up as it is in the united states is as specific as it is with the 19 different levels of you can apply it you get you know then you go first you start at the state level then you or the the county then you can go to the state then you can go to the Uh, You know, like all these different levels until you get to the Supreme Court is specifically because there was the Star Council that had no oversight. And they could basically go, oh, you don't you like wearing red on Wednesdays? We decided that that's not a thing we want to do anymore without ever warning you and just pick you up off the street and kill you. Your family has no idea where you are has no idea where you're going. Now, obviously, that's an extreme example, but the reality is it's not that far off because who decided who was on the Star Council? Not the people. The king did. The king decided who was on the Star Council. Who decided if the Star Council was doing bad things? Nobody. Technically, the Star Council, they wouldn't, but technically the Star Council could take the king down and be like, we don't like him anymore. Kill him. So this is—it's just this extreme amount of structure that was not voted on. That was not right. Like who decides yes. it's going to be on this council? It's basically just the, the the GC president. And again, this council decides what isn't isn't out of compliance. Do you understand? Like they, even though people can vote, they can decide whether or not. You know what I mean? They can, quote-unquote, read between the lines and be like, you're not actually following it to the extent we want you to. Now, they won't take that right now. They're not going to take that abuse that power, I'm sure, I hope, if it gets voted in, which, again, I pray it doesn't. But the reality is, down the line, this sets a very dangerous precedent. This sets us down a very dangerous road of we can decide whether or not you are subversive. The irony being that at some point there's probably going to be a religious liberty compliance (laughs) to decide whether or not we're following right like it's just the irony of all this
1: well so there is one clarification i really want to make because it is very important that we're fair as possible even though like our bias is pretty obvious but um it, it is really important that we're as kind of clear on on this stuff as possible the compliance committee's typically do not have the authority or will not have the authority to actually enact any yeah. of their decisions. Their no, no, authority no. is to make recommendations to, to ADCOM. Yeah. So here's here's how this works. If in the opinion of the executive offers officers of a conference union division or the GC, uh, change has been requested of a non-compliant entity, but that change has not been realized or there's no evidence of consistent progress, then the GC ADCOM may request may request the appropriate compliance committee to implement its terms of reference. So in other words, if they see that someone's out of compliance, has been out of compliance for a while and isn't changing, they can then reference them to the compliance committee. And then once the compliance committee talks about it and reviews it, they can then make directly, uh, they can directly make recommendations to the appropriate adcom. So this is important because normally it'll take a certain amount of time for them to actually start. The problem with that is if this gets voted in, they'll probably start applying it retroactively. In other words, anyone who they've perceived as non-compliant up to this point over the last several years will likely immediately be sent to those committees. So it's kind of this, this, the wording is tricky in it, in that it says, "Oh, well, we'll it's, give you it's time." Lawyer
0: speak. It's very lawyer speak.
1: Yeah. yeah. So here's here's what's the most. And before we talk about what happens if the if AdCom if the compliance committee and AdCom fails, right? In, yeah. Before we talk about that, here's what I want to make clear about this. First, it di- it does have to all of this has to be approved before anything can happen. Right. Except, yeah. check, I don't know even if you know this, Tony, because it's only been listed in one place. On September 18, the GC activated two of the compliance committees. To oh. investigate to, to investigate matters of possible noncompliance, and I don't know what the matters are. All I know see, is that they have been activated
0: in September, see, and annual council's happening now. Do you understand? See, this is and this is the problem I have. Right, I know that I'm sounding like a crazed conspiracy theorist, right? And my hair looks like I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist right now, and I have a mustache. Great, you know, <laughs> I feel like Charlie Day just with the from. It's always sunny yes. in is the like mailroom. In the mailroom, like no, let me explain to you. Who's Pepe Silva? There is no Pepe (laughs) Silva. There is nobody, right? But this is the type of thing that I'm talking about, right? They will. That is out of compliance. But you, no one's. Even if I, technically, as a as a lay member, right now, because I'm studying. If I call them out on that, they decide whether or not they've been out of compliance for doing that. Right? I can't technically call the GC out. What I can do is make a recommendation up the line. But let's say I do that and start that ball rolling. They're the ones who decide whether or not the GC was out of line for doing, for taking that, the, taking the quote-unquote initiative and doing that first. But do you understand the power struggle here? Like that's the thing that bothers me is I go, this is heading down a dangerous road because if the GC takes certain liberties, nod, nod, wink, wink, they're the ones who decide whether or not that's a nod, nod, wink, wink or no, no, you really need to obey the rules here, right? Because and, and And look, I understand because here's the thing. And we'll talk about why, if it fails, like this is important, but like, I get that there are certain things that this needs to happen for, right? Not, not calling him out on the discussion, not to talk about the, whether or not he was right, but when Desmond Ford brought up his ideas, right? Let's say a conference decided, yeah, we're just going to follow this. This is, this is our belief now, right? Some churches in that conference might feel uncomfortable with that and say, no, I, I we don't believe this, Right. And this is a doctrinal thing. We don't, we believe that, you know, the different doctrine, the church decided on this different doctrine. And so I, I believe, yeah, there, there should be something to say, hey, this is what we decided. This is what we went for. Do I think there's something important there? Yes. But to me, having a straight, that should, first of all, that group should come from a union level. It should be a direct mix of women and men. It should be a mix of different cultures and it should be a mix of, um, people that are aware of the situation, right? So people from Australia shouldn't come if this is the Rocky Mountain Conference, right? They shouldn't decide. It should be people around from that area, and they should sit there and go, okay, what should we do? Well, we know that in these states, I don't know, they they blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure what the issue is, but that they'll have an idea of it, and it'll be a mix of people from both sides. It's not just going to be some arbitrary group That's decided by a small group of people, possibly one person, that that shouldn't happen. That's the precedent. And the fact that they've already, already taken liberties with this compliance committee tells me, heck yes, they're going to abuse this power. And if you give them an inch, they're going to take two, three, four feet. And this is the problem. This is the issue. Again, last year, you talked about this so well, just bringing this up was at best, at best, a bad optical move, which was they just brought it up at the last second. No one had time to review it. And they kind of said, we're voting on this now. Like literally, like the next day, they're like, we're voting on this now. No one had time to see it. No one had time to read it. No one had time to go over it. Now, again, a lot of people voted no because they wanted it to be stronger. But regardless, that's a shady move. Right. And, and, and and that's, that's the type of things that I'm talking about is if you, if they were above the board with everything, I would still have an issue with this. But the fact is they have been playing in, in either, again, at best, best scenario and ill informed and something that looks just incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. An incompetent way. And at worst, a manipulate, a deliberately manipulative and, um, shady underhanded way which does not smack of Jesus Christ and I mean,
1: unfortunately
0: like the evidence or the Jerusalem council
1: yeah well and and honestly like evidence over last year over the last several years has really made me think that this is not the former it's not incompetence but a lot of this is actually intentional and this is and it's sad for me to say that because listen i don't have anything really against ted wilson the person <laughs> Right, he's, I. He's, it's different, like with Trump. I have some things against Trump the person, as well as Trump the president. I don't have anything against Trump. Or, I mean, against Ted Wilson, Wilson. the person. He's a great guy. I've met him. He's every a great yeah. Everyone guy. I've heard that has talked with him and has met with him, and and I have people who know him because he's members of Depending their church. Depending on
0: the topic, yeah. yeah,
1: they're like, yeah, he's great. I I love talking to him, and it's just whenever he speaks as a leader, I end up cringing and worrying and. And being filled with with fear and anxiety, so like that's yeah. that's the thing. Like I'm not trying to talk down a, on Ted Wilson, but the other half of this, and this is what kills me. And we'll talk about this next week with a document that, or an article that was released. But yeah. if you are a public leader, you accept public criticism. Period. This is the reality. I yeah. am a public podcaster. I accept public criticism. Same with Tony. Like it's just if you're a pastor, you you accept criticism. If you are a leader in general, you accept. Criticism—it's just something that has to on happen. On behalf
0: of anyone else, if you speak on behalf of anyone else, you are now held responsible, and and held um, accountable by that person. Yep. That's the point of of a republic. In a yep. pure democrat, the way the Greeks did it, everyone spoke for themselves, and it's chaos and it's noise. So in a in a in a, uh, a rep- representative system, which is what the the, the Adventist Church has. Certain people speak for certain people. And when Ted Wilson speaks, he doesn't speak for God, interestingly enough, as much as some people want to say he does, he speaks for us, right? He is not the high priest. We are all priests. Guy can speak to all of us. But what he does is he speaks for us back to us, right? He represents us to, you know, he represents the U.S. to Africa and Africa to the U.S. and You know what I mean? Like he represents us to all of us. He is, he is all of us. And so all of our voices hold him accountable, whether or not he wants to admit it and whether or not other people want to admit it. That's the reality of the, being the GC president. When you put on, i almost said that hat and that, that, no, that's not, I'm not going (laughs) to go there. When you, when you step into that office, that responsibility gets put on you. Yep. And so again, I'm holding that office to accountability not the person, that office to accountability. Um, so let's talk about what happens if, let's say, the, the committee fails. Yep. Well, there is one more
1: thing I want to point out, which may be a tangent, but it is important. Uh, re-election is coming up for Ted Wilson in 2020. 2020. So uh, just, just laying that vote. out there as a thing. Register to vote as an Adventist. Um, no, for
0: real. Hey, seriously, as an Adventist, get on your local executive committee because those are the ones who are going to be sending people Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get on, make decisions, be involved, because this is important. Now, granted, is that going to make a change? I don't know. We're in the NAD. We're not exactly the most popular kids on the block right now. But the reality is, get involved. You know, like, get get involved as much as you can.
1: So if that fails, if a non-compliant entity is not brought into compliance, and they refuse to be brought into compliance, and what what happens? So here's the first thing that happens, is that out-of-compliant entity will be warned. If it's a conference president, for example, they will be warned. Now, this doesn't extend all the way down to a church. So if a specific church is doing something, it's the body above them that gets held accountable. If it's something happening Uh, in a conference, uh, then it's the union that gets held accountable. Um, So this is kind of their way of skipping the, the authority lines. So first, the entity is warned and said, you're out of compliance. Next, the entity is given a public reprimand and here's how this works each time a union president exercises his right of voice to address the general conference executive committee the members will be informed that the speaker has been given a public reprimand so love this i don't love this at all but each so each time a union president speaks from now on on, on executive committee the members will be uh, will be informed that he's been given a public reprimand. And what I love about this, like, I was playing a board game called Quelf. And uh, one of the things, Quelf is one of those weird board games, and I got a rule card. If you land on a certain spot, you get a rule card. And that rule card is something that you have to follow for the rest of the game unless the card stipulates otherwise, or you get another rule that takes the old one away. And while we were playing, I got a rule card that said that I had to end every sentence with every every time i spoke i had to end my sentence with hear me for i have spoken no matter what i said even if i said one oh word oh my
0: gosh that's awesome
1: so like oh uh, gosh, so awesome. yeah after everything if someone said hey ryan how was your day good hear me for i have spoken like every time i spoke and it maybe this for no, life no I hated it. It made me not want to talk at all. But <laughs> that's exactly it. what's no, going to happen here. It. Every time they speak, someone's going to go, oh, yeah, by the way, you've been <clears throat> reprimanded. Everyone, everyone, just so you know. Hey, everyone. Just so you know. That guy is out of. reprimanded. Yeah, he's been reprimanded.
0: Is all right. Now go ahead. The say the say what you're going to say. Yeah. Has anyone this, read the Scarlet Letter before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what yeah. this is. All right. You're going to be forced to wear a giant scarlet PR in front of you. Yes, because you have been publicly reprimanded for right. being a boodily foodly. Hear me, for I have spoken. I hate you.
1: Um. All right, now I'm
0: say that every time.
1: N- then, if oh, awesome. they still haven't been brought in compliance after the public reprimand, because you know that's so, um, such a harsh consequence. Shame. It's more annoying. Shame. It's just public shaming. That's what that is. Yeah. Bad vampire. Uh, Next, Shame. then, they are placed on removal for cause and subject to policy application. Now, here's, the, here's where they, 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 they get around this, right? They can't remove a union president from office, but they certainly can remove them from uh, their voice on the executive committee. So if they've been given public re- reprimand and still haven't, been, still haven't changed or brought into compliance, then they are removed from the executive committee. But this is only the individual member. So while a union may lose one representative on executive committee, the union still will have a voice because they ha- if they have other union members on executive committee yeah. technically, but it is still neutering their voice to some extent because you're removing the key figurehead and voted yeah. constituent to executive committee.
0: And by the way, again, I don't have, I have problems with this on its own, on its own merit. I have issues with this. However, it's the precedent that this sets because this is one step away from you're fired and, yep. we're, and we're pulling your credentials. It's one step away from that. It's literally one step away. By the way, just so you know, and it's out there, that's what they want. And by they, I specifically am referring to the GC. The GC wants the power to be able to remove officials from the church that are out of compliance. This is their ultimate end game and goal. It has been stated before, right? So that's last year they tried they to, do. to do that.
1: Last year they straight up yeah. tried to remove non-compliant unions and
0: disfellowship, or or you know, and and, just... and yeah, and just remove those. So keep in mind, this might sound nice, but this is the first step in a five to you know ten-step program that eventually will end with anyone who disagrees with it, and you know any dis any. What was it any disagreement is is uh, uh, sub not subversion um is uh, um uh what's that nineteen eighty four is uh, uh i forget sedition any disagreement is sedition and shall be punished right this is this is on the road to that and this is the first step to that um, but yeah it, technically they can't fire anybody but that's what they that's what that's the end goal and everyone knows it by the way it's not like we're revealing, you know, big reveal, hot topic. We yeah. we talked a deep throat and no, like this is everyone knows this. It's it's out there. It's the unspoken yeah. elephant and spoken elephant in the room.
1: Now, what's funny is and we're gonna I'll use the Southern Union as an example here because I'm in the Southern Union, so it's easiest for me to do this. Let's Wah-wah. say that the Florida Conference is out of compliance on an issue. Under these rules, the Florida conference would be publicly warned, but it's the union president. So Ron Smith is a current union president. He'd be the one Mm -hmm. that faces all the consequences for Florida's rebellion, which is funny because if the Florida conference has anyone that serves on that executive committee, but Ron Smith is the one that's removed from executive committee, then the the out of compliant entity still has a voice in executive committee, which I find kind of funny. Um, it, it, It's yeah. It's pressuring it's the union. The onus
0: on unions, yes, that's to exactly what they're People and to and to crack the whip, because we will keep. Yeah.
1: Yep. So now I want to be fair again. So I've looked up some some of the ultra conservative reaction points to this because Tony and I are neither of us are ultra conservative on and so.
0: I'm ultra conservative when it comes to love of creamsicles. That's fair. I'm not. I believe that they should be preserved, and I believe that they should be honored. Do you in believe society. they?
1: Do you believe they should be conserved?
0: I believe they should be consumed.
1: All right. So you're an ultra consumer. With consumer. You're an ultra consumer. Um, so the one of the one of the first points I, I found when looking at some of the ultra conservative side um, is this: they don't like that conferences still have a voice when a union is reprimanded. So they think it still gives voice this like this method still gives voice to rebellion, which is a fair point. Like I can understand why they wouldn't like that. So uh, the the problem I have with this perspective is what about the other conferences? <laughs> in other words, if you're if if you're saying that because what they're arguing for what the ultra conservative side has argued for is all the conferences in the union also should be removed. And, well, the problem is, well, if Florida conference is the only one out of compliance. What about Carolina, Georgia, Cumberland and the Gulf states? They're not out of compliance. Why should their voice be affected? And so that's that's kind of where I take issue with that stance. A. Yeah, A. But um, at at least that's like what I love, what I appreciate about this from the ultra conservative side is they're not just accepting it for what it is, but they're they actually do take some issue with it, regardless of whether or not I agree with the issue they take.
0: My my question, my, this is this is what cracks me up though, and this is the this is the problem with polarized politics, which is the, what's happening in society and in our church right now. Yeah, this is great when your side is in charge, but what happens when the next president's an ultra left wing liberal wing nut who sits there and all of a sudden starts going through the conservative conferences and going, huh, interesting. You have a lot of churches that donate to Loma Linda, or, you know, this and that." Yeah. And now the ultra conservative conferences are the ones whose feet are is held to the fire, because if you don't think ultra conservative, dude, like this is what cracks me up, the the division with the most churches out of compliance is the 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 three divisions with the most people out of compliance are in Africa, and I mean it's not even close; it is significant, but they're, go- they're Those aren't going to be the ones. Notice none of those topics, none of the issues that Africa is dealing with are the ones and when i say africa there are three i believe three divisions in africa but those aren't the ones that they're looking at all the problems that they're looking at are the ones that happen to deal with the north american division so i you know
1: that's what i'm saying all of it all of the, the non compliance
0: but i'm saying the 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 highest amount that are out of compliance are in africa and like i said it's not even close i don't remember the numbers but i saw the numbers at one point and it was like there are like Thirty things that the North American division could be technically out of compliance for. And there are like 118 things that these other three, like Africa, this is okay. I'm going to go back on a rant because I get real heated and I'm going to try to calm down before I say this. One of the divisions in Africa had multiple officers at the division level that lied about having degrees and got up and got themselves elected to those positions specifically because they boasted about having these degrees and there was no reprimand given to them. Now, telling women that God can use them, okay, yeah, that might be out of compliance. It isn't, by the way, for the record. It isn't, but it might be. Let's say it is. Lying is a sin. It is one of the seven things that God says he hates. In fact, he mentions it twice. Lying, directly uh, 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 um, misdeceiving not only people in a conference or a union, but an entire division. Forget the fact that that you, you know, are a sinner, because we're all sinners. What kind of decisions are you making if you're willing to make that kind of compromise? Right? All the decisions that those that were made when those people were in in authority should technically have an asterisk next to them and be reviewed by by a committee decided from other places, because those people can't trust their own, right? We can't trust you anymore because you elected somebody who, deliberately lied about having a de- a degree from college not like oh he kind of he he got an mba wasn't a you know he didn't have a degree at, these these multiple men did not have a degree at all so when we talk about out of compliance Okay, but let's look at who really is out of compliance. This is the thing that frustrates me. Yeah, okay, we can talk about all these specific things that the conservatives want to get angry about, but what's going to happen when it comes around and points at you? See, this is all nice and well and done when, when it's pointing at the crazy wingnut liberals who are letting women preach. But what's going to happen when all of a sudden it turns around and goes, oh, you haven't been sending tithe. You, you guys are, are doing things that are completely out of compliance. What's going to happen when it turns around and the gun points at you?
1: Well, and that's that's kind of this is an interpretive statement from me, but that's why I don't think like this isn't about compliance in my mind. This is about attacking women's no. ordination. Like that's what it's, it's about, about power. Yeah, and and so like it just compliance and policy adherence is just the, the kind of the guys that we attack this and 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 jump at this for, but. That's and and here's the thing like I do agree that non-compliant individuals should be brought into compliance but there was a stat that was released publicly at annual council that was said that 80% of our church entities are out of compliance in some way if 80% yeah. of us are out of compliance the problem is the policy not the entities like that's my issue so in my like in my mind, we should be re looking at what we do as a church, not and and how we and our policies. I don't know what the answer exactly is. I don't know what the solution exactly is, but I do know that this isn't it. This. Yeah. So, this isn't it two things? Two more things I want to talk about on the ultra conservative side, and then we'll kind of give our final thoughts on this. The same way that we talk about women's ordination just being a thing. Like I've kind of stopped trying to convince people of women's ordination. I just talk about it like it should have always been a thing. Right. That's kind of how a lot of people are talking about it now. The ultra conservative side talks about non compliance. In other words, they've stopped trying to convince you that the Pacific Union or you know, what, or the Mid America Union or whatever is out of compliance. Yeah. They've stopped trying to argue that point. Instead, they're just saying that it, they're out of compliance and that's that. Like they're not they're not even it's not How are we gonna
0: how are we gonna punish these evil people who are out exactly. of compliance? Exactly. It's just all about Which discipline not, and punishment. Again. Yeah. Which again, again, I want to point out, and I cannot state this enough. They are not out of compliance with GC, not union policy. They are not out of compliance with GC policy, voted GC policy. All
1: right. So the last thing that ultra conservatives are calling for is, is swift discipline. Uh, This is the last Thing that I want to highlight on. They're calling for swift discipline. So they're saying that the length of time it takes for something to get to the compliance committees and be referred to adcom and all that stuff could take uh, way too long, and they're sick of that, and they just want it to be done with and over with so that it, quit, it puts all those rebels to bed. So that's the, it puts them all in timeout. So that's, that's the last thing that they're calling for. And I can understand, once again, I
0: understand all the things they're saying. I understand that. I just don't necessarily agree with all of it. I just disagree with it. Um, So that's. Because again, it's, it's the precedent. Yeah. It's the precedent, right? Here's my thing. Like, you know, when, when the church was at a crossroads, the early church deciding whether or not they wanted to become they wanted to stay a Jewish religion or a world religion. They came together in Jerusalem. And and annual council and G C sessions, I, I you know, for all the, the flack I give it, I love the fact that we do this, that we do talk about it, that we do bring it up. Because it is something that we can talk we can talk about it. You know? I can't as a Catholic, I, I can just be well, the magisterium decided this and I I guess, I guess we all suck now. The Pope decided we all suck, so I know, can't really do anything about it. We can talk about this as Adventists, and I love that fact, right? We can disagree with it as Adventists. I love that. We just want to make sure it stays that way. But the, this is the thing when it comes to the swift discipline. I understand why they want that. But the precedent that that sets not only is dangerous, but it also isn't Christ-like. When the Jerusalem Council came together, they said, you know what? We're going to make less rules rather than most because the Holy Spirit's going to bring people to full truth, right? I think the problem, the deep issue, and we'll talk about this more in, in the next episode, but the deeper issue that we have here is whether or not we should be the ones protecting the church, Right? Like, like as if Christ isn't going to do that on his own and it puts the responsibility, I have to be careful how I say this. It puts the, I'll say it. It puts the responsibility for growing and protecting the church out of God's hands and in human hands. And it says, God has, has stepped back and we are the ones that need to make sure that he is protected. And personally, I think that's unbiblical. I think that's something that comes from M.L. Andreasen. I think that is heresy. Well and I think it's something that's been, that's been pumped by a lot of the, and I'll say it, the, the right-wing side, the conservative side, that we are the ones who have to protect the Church, and that has never been it. And when the Jerusalem Council came together in Acts 15 and read it, they said, instead of forcing all of you to follow these rules, what we're going to do is just say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And leave it at that. Three things. That's it. Because they said, the Holy Sp- we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit has the power and, and the decision. Now, later on, other decisions, they had to get a little bit more, right? They got a little bit more and more and more. But that's the spirit that I always want to go back to, right? The spirit of Acts 15. They listened to the words of Gamaliel, right, who talked earlier in Acts, who was like, if this isn't of God, it's going to fail, by the way, and I'll, and I'll say this because women's ordination is kind of the catalyst for all this. If women's ordination isn't something God wants, it will fail. Guys, it will fail. And God will, and God will make sure that it does not have success. But if it has success, if we try it out and let it happen, which, by the way, it is happening and it is successful. If we try it out and let it happen and it is successful, guess who you're fighting against? Yep. It's not us. Well, my thing is like the way I always describe it
1: is revelation describes Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when was the last time that you ever needed
0: to defend a lion? (laughs)
1: Like that's a lion does not need you to defend it. So that's, that's where I
0: not like, not like poachers (sighs) or anything, but like, one-on-one, you've got to stick against a lion. A lion's going to take care of business.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's, I mean, every analogy falls apart. So yeah, poachers don't count. But like, there's no poacher strong enough to defeat that lion. Let's just put it that way. No, So no, no way. My thing is for for this, and this is the way a lot of people are describing this, I see this as a major identity crisis of the Adventist church. This is kind of, yeah. this is another one of those things. 1888 was a big one for us uh, in figuring out, oh, salvation by grace instead of salvation by works. Yeah. We've had
0: thirteen
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of these defining moments, and this is another one of those. And who we are at the end of this is going to be determined by the things that are discussed and talked about and voted on at annual council. And that's like it is worrisome, and I'm praying uh, against it. But the other thing is the best thing that we can do. I'm praying against a negative identity coming out of this. Put it that way. I'm not praying against the discussions that happen. Um, but we do. I like to say-
0: yeah. Go ahead. I said just just one more thing. And and then I'll shut up. I know I've been talking a lot on this one, but it's it's a big one and we need to have this discussion. This is this is what I want to bring up. Um and I'm trying to find the actual Twitter thread that did this, but it was about one of the talks. Um it was one of the talks that was brought up yesterday and I think Spectrum did a did a big long um a big long spread on it. I can't find it right now. Hold on. A Twitter thread. They did a Twitter thread about Staley. Some 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 Staley person gave a talk about the nineteen thirteen conference, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, where is it? Anyway, the point being that in in eighteen eighty eight. Ellen White was against, um. Ellen White was against G. 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 E. Butler. Um, or whatever his name is, the guy. That, okay, here, here, here we go. Here we go. What we can learn from administrative authority crisis? It was Arthur Staley's, uh It was on Sabbath afternoon. It was one of the seminars, right? It was lo- the location was in the Great Tent, so it was the main seminar, right? The authoritative crisis from 1901 to 1903. Right, there are several issues that caused church crisis of 1901 to 1903, including numerical growth, institutional growth, financial challenges, decentralization, kingly power. The questioning of authority was always in the air from the beginning. Um, The questioning of authority was the issue. Right, Decision-making power was in the hands of just a few men, and even sometimes just one or three. When George Butler was president, had a very authoritarian style, and Ellen White did not approve of his leadership. She sent him an 18-page rebuke. This was, uh, this was a Twitter thread that started It was uh, at 11.44 a.m. yesterday. Right, so if you want to go on Twitter, look up Spectrum Magazine, at Spectrum, and they have it here. She said specifically, A sick man's mind has had a controlling power over the general conference. Butler has been in office three years too long, and now in all humidity and loneliness of mind has departed from him. He thinks that his position gives him such power that his voice is infallible. If Christ is the head of the church, does he work through leaders only? or through every member of the body, right? James Allen White never went against the church organization. They always supported it, and yet they did not feel the control should be in the hands of just one man, right? So the key decisions that were made in 1901 was the creation of union conferences, auxiliary organizations became official departments. The title president was replaced with chairman of the executive committee, and the executive committee had 25 members, and the chairman was chosen by them. Elgin White said the angels were with the decisions made in 1901. But 1902 was the worst year in Adventist history. The only year in our history that experienced a drop in membership. Fires burned, infighting broke out, and people sought power. So in 1903, they decided all institutions, including medical ones, were to be owned by the GC, unions, and conferences. The office of president was reinstated, and officers should be elected by delegates in session. Right? Reason for this is important. Ellen White was against authoritarian power in 1888. For that, Ellen White was kicked and put into exile in Australia. While there, she created the Union Conferences, not only because it was needed for, for logistical purposes, but also as a check and balance so that the power of the GC could not grow too strong. You want to kick back? You want to do a throwback? Right? Right? I I have respect for Elder Wilson as a person, but if he wants to do a throwback, let's do a throwback there. Let's do a throwback to what Ellen White actually said because his revisionist history is not what actually happened. His idea everything was fine and dandy back then was not true. Ellen White would have been against everything this is doing. I am 100% sure of that in my soul because this is how she reacted when similar things were brought up in 1901. She said, this is not okay. This is not how it works. When people try to grab authority to tell other people what to believe and what not to believe, the reality is it sets a dangerous, dangerous precedent. If you don't believe the 28, you're not an Adventist. That's how it works. You're just not. You can be a part of the church. You can be whatever, but you're not actually one of us because you don't believe the things we believe. That should be the defining factor. Not whether or not you follow every iota of the rule, because I think that there's a good precedent, and I think it's important, and policy protects us in case something does go wrong. But we have way more in common. It would be way better for us if the unity and ancient history were, were of the church to be honored, right? The best way to honor that is not to grow, give more power to the GC but rather to spread that out to more people and to make sure that people in local conferences and, and local congregations understand that they are the most powerful part of our church. Because mm. we are bottom-up. we are bottom, we are bottom up. We're, we're top-down to a degree, but we're bottom-up. The work of the church gets done by the local church. Yeah. That's where it all sits, and that's what we have to remember. And Ellen White who is the one who's probably going to be quoted more than anybody else at this session, right? She's the one who said, yeah, she was out of compliance creating unions. So if they want to go and punish unions and get rid of them, well, guess who you're going against, buddy? You're going against the prophet that you all hail so wonderfully. So this is the, this is the last thing I'm going to say is just remember... <laughs> that everything that these people bring up when they say oh well history want to go back keep in mind there's two sides to that coin they want to remember certain parts of history but remember that there were other parts would you and those parts speak
1: strongly would you say they want to whitewash history also, let it be known oh. that on this episode of Absurdity, we have learned that when Tony says this is the last thing I'll say, he means that I have three more things that I want to
0: say. I have three more things I want to say. <laughs> we could no, honestly, I, we could keep going me, on this. Easy. I have spoken. There is, there is before. <laughs> I hate I you. Think, uh, To me, that's it. Um, that's, that's, th- to me, I've said to point, I, I think I yeah. can start enough conversations. This is yeah. a little bit longer, but at this point, it's like, oh, as fine. far as in this particular instance, Let's talk about it now. Now let's talk about
1: it. There is, there's one last thing I want to say, and it's really important because there's a group that we need to talk about for
0: he has spoken.
1: And it is this, if you are in the group that sees all this and says, I'm done with Adventism or I want to leave Adventism or I'm done being an Adventist. There's a couple things that I want to bring to your attention here, because this is really important. A, if all the good people leave, the bad people win. And, um, thank you. uh, And I'm not saying that Wilson is a, I guess I am. I guess I accidentally said that or implied it. What I mean is, if, if a positive ideology, if you want your positive ideology to win, then you have to stay and fight for it. That's really what I mean. Fight for it on your knees in prayer. Fight for it by getting involved in the local level, being elected to a delegacy and being able to cast a vote and speak on behalf of your conference or you know the people that you want to represent. Getting involved at the local level is the best way to change things at the higher level. I said that a year ago, and I maintain it now. Beyond this... Um, I was actually listening to the Bad Christian podcast about a year ago. I'm going to see if I can find the episode again and link it in the description. But it was with the wife of uh, a prominent leader within the Mars Hill Church community that was pastored by Mark Driscoll, not the Rob Bell one. Mark Driscoll out in Seattle, and when Mark Driscoll's corruption and all of his issues were being, you know, revealed and and were unfolding publicly, people were asking for years. People were asking this this, um, this woman's husband, why are you still there? Like, why don't you leave? And a lot of the pastors in that community, a lot of the leaders in that community were asked the same question. When your leader is so bad, why don't you leave? And their response was, why should we be the ones that have, that leave? We haven't done anything wrong. I've really held on to that. This is our home too, And when I see kind of authoritarian power grabs like this, it's scary and it's frustrating and it's heartbreaking because I'm Adventist because I believe this. And this is the only place that I can go that has the unique interpretation and mix of the beliefs that I hold, right? There are other denominations that have the Sabbath. There are other denominations that believe in the state of the dead the way we do. There are other denominations that have prophetic interpretation. There are other, you know, that but adventism is the only one that has the unique blend of those that is expressed in a way that i agree with and and can jump into and i want to and i want to stay and be a part of this because this is home for me and i'm and yeah. i would imagine that the reason <clears throat> the reason that this angers you so much the reason this bothers you so much is because this is home for you too my request of you is is that you don't give up And that you remember that your beliefs are much more than an organization or leaders that you disagree with or moves that you disagree with. The reason we talk about this, we're not going anywhere, at least not anytime soon. Uh, Nope. We're talking about this, and we are just as angry and upset and frustrated as anyone else is about this. And I'm watching. I will
0: be publicly reprimanded. I am um, okay
1: with that. the 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 other thing I would caution you of is if this is the line that makes you leave. Be prepared to explain while all, why all the other stuff that you didn't like was not the line. So if your line is the authority structure flipping, if your line is the authoritarian power grab from the GC, then you need to be able to explain why your line wasn't LGBTQ, wasn't women's, uh, oppression of women in ministry, or wasn't uh, whitewashed history and, and racism in our church's history, or even our church's current uh, current state of affairs, right? You need to be able to explain why the other things weren't if this is your line. Otherwise you shoot your own integrity in the foot. So uh, that's a warning and a caution to you. That is not necessarily like you can leave and not do that to, to yourself, yeah, like, not to us, yeah. by
0: the way, you're going to have to justify this to yourself. Yeah. Kind of hard to um,
1: be for those causes. Cause you don't when, answer to us. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah. I I this is I I just I I want to add to you man. I just want to affirm you on that. This is this is home for me too. This is why we do this like stay strong. Cuz here's the reality, even if the worst happens and this all gets voted in and it all happens, eventually <laughs> to end on a lighter note, all these guys are going to die like <laughs> we're, so the next group coming in can come in and reverse everything. So if anything, we just got to wait them out. That's all we got to do. That's literally all we have to do is just wait them out yep. and and then we can come in and go, "All right, well, this was a bad idea. We're going to fix this." Which by the way, 1888 <laughs> Salvation by Grace wasn't voted. Right? Like no. it wasn't. And then later on they're like, "Oh no, we we screwed up with that one. Like let's that this is the right thing." <laughs> so, keep strong. This is still your home. This is this is this isn't going to stop us. No, not it's at all. It's a stumbling block. I think it's going to keep us from from. I think it's going to delay Christ's second coming. I think it is, personally. But this isn't going to stop us. Yeah. This isn't going to stop Christ's church.
1: All right. So that is it for part one on our series on annual council. Next week we'll be talking about kind of the greater conversation, Oregon's letter about tithing, George Knight articles, all that good stuff. The greater conversation unfolding around this. So uh, next week we'll be talking about oh, that. Boop, boop. Um, if you want to subscribe to absurdity you can follow us on itunes stitcher or any podcatching app i'm working on getting us on spotify if you subscribe to us on itunes please leave a review that really helps me out if you have any comments questions or feedback for the show you can tweet at me at ryan 180 becker or you can tweet at tony which is tony underscore a t-o-n-y a-n-o-b-i-l-e or you can search the new dr jones yeah yeah hey, i learned how to say it just like you isn't that exciting um you did even with the yeah, like the inflection i got and the, you like
0: slowing down i know like, you
1: well um so thank you guys so much for listening we are praying for annual council we're praying for you this week um keep strong and if you want to support this financially patreon.com slash absurdity podcast is the way to do that every dollar helps thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week with part two on unity compliance and rebellion Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.